At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from the past. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. Now, as we review these throwbacks, remember many of these recordings were made over a decade ago. I just ask that you keep that historical context in mind. Today in 2020, there's a vastly different consciousness. Risk has always asked our storytellers to err on the side of not being too cautious, to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible. That said, we also want our storytellers to be compassionate in their storytelling. But even in stories where you hear an overall compassionate context to the sharing, you might still notice some moments that strike you as cringeworthy today. A lot of these storytellers, and myself as the host of some of the oldest episodes, would probably have handled those moments differently today. As always, the title of the series, Risk, is itself a trigger warning. This week, a story that Emmett Montgomery first shared on the podcast in February of 2014. Here's Emmett now with a story we call Black Dog. When I was uh, in my junior year of high school, I had a lot of, a lot of high school problems. I had uh, acne and attention deficit disorder and depression and a problem with authority and uh, an inability to want to be in school. So (laughs) I was uh, put in a special class for kids who also didn't want to be in school, who uh, wanted to do different things. It was a class... Uh, that thought outside the box. So they still taught us, but by uh, bringing experts in and we kind of created our own curriculum, it was kind of like the evergreen of um, (laughs) a a Utah high school. Um, So I had this class, and it had a lot of great experiences, 
Our big final, our big year-end project that we spent three months learning was we had a day, a survival day, where they took a bunch of Mormon teenagers and put them in central Utah. And uh, I almost didn't pass that class. We spent months learning about orientation, first aid, how to read a map, how to use a compass, and just generally how not to die in the desert was really the point of this class. And they put us in groups of about five or six. They dropped us at various places in central Utah and we had a meeting point. And uh, my group was kind of like the breakfast club. Um, We had a jock, we had a pretty popular girl, we had two stoners, and uh, I was sort of a combination of Anthony Michael Hall and Ali Sheedy. Things were going pretty okay. Uh, and when, what they gave us was a map, a compass, empty canteens, and uh, water purification tablets because on the map was marked where these springs would be. And the point is we'd find that and we'd hydrate as we go. That would have been a great plan if we hadn't promptly lost our map. And then we started a series of stupid teenage decisions. One, instead of just staying there, we're like, oh, we got our compass. We know which direction we should go. Let's check it out. And we kind of had different opinions, which we just did it anyway. And um, I remember as we were walking through the desert, we thinking, even though I had been in the desert before, because that's what Utah is, it's wilderness that will kill you. uncomfortable I was. Uh, It was hot and we were thirsty and it stopped being fun really quick. By the time we actually came across some Mexican sheep herders, some guys on horses with a flock of sheep, we thought, okay, this is great. We can get directions and we can go home and end this. There were two problems. One, I was the only person that spoke any Spanish at all. Two, the sheep were talking to me. Um, Because it turns out, because of my teenage problems, I was on some medication. It's a combination of the acne medication and the antidepressants and the attention deficit disorder created a synergistic effect, an unknown photosensitivity that caused me to quickly get, well, extreme heat exhaustion or not so extreme sunstroke, uh, depending what sort of asshole you want to be about it. (laughs) Which caused my body to quickly dehydrate, which put me in the state of exhaustion and disorientation. And I was able to communicate with the Mexican sheep herders. And it gave us, I remember they gave us a bucket and they poured water in it and we just drank like animals because we were just so thirsty. And then donde el uh, autobus escula. <laughs> I was hallucinating at the time and not very good at school. Um, 
And they gave us directions and we filled up our canteens. At that point though, my body was so tired that the water wasn't necessarily a good idea. So I had a belly full of cold water and a body that was always being like, ah, maybe that's too much for us. So it just stayed there. We walked in the direction to where the school bus was and we saw it in the distance and we were like, this is great. This is the end of the stupid adventure. We're gonna get in trouble, but this will be fine. There is a certain type of despair that you feel when you know that you are in the wrong, going in the wrong direction, but you have nowhere else to go. And that is the type of despair we felt when we noticed that that was a school bus, but it had been there for a very long time. <laughs> It was abandoned and empty. And that's kind of how I was feeling then. Um, what was happening, and I didn't know it, was that my sweat drenched clothes and my belly full of cold water. When the afternoon winds came through me, I started to get hypothermia. If you don't know what hypothermia is, I don't recommend it. It is um, when your blood gets cold and it goes through your body and it starts to shut things down. Um, whew, I'm thirsty, sorry. <laughs> I don't know how long we stayed at the school bus. We figured we should hang out here, but then we also realized that this wasn't on our map. We were off map, which is one of the things you weren't supposed to do. Later on, I found out that another group actually came to the school bus later on and that's where they were found. So if we would have stayed there, we probably would have been okay. So we just started walking to what we thought was a road. And I don't know how long we walked, but we got there and uh, our truck came by and uh, picked us up. That was another one of the things you weren't supposed to do is get in a strange car because then they could take you even farther. But we were so desperate, we did that. I remember sitting back in the truck, sit in the back of the truck, and the stink of stale beer and the sound of country music are the same sensation. <laughs> they still are, actually. Um, he dropped us off. They dropped us off. It just, he said, this is the main road. Just keep walking. Someone's going to pick you up. Uh, I got to go do something, you know. And I thought it was weird why he would put us in such this terrible place. As we were walking down this road, I remember it's so high. Like, it's so steep going up and down. And there were insects. Like, there were these giant beetles. And I saw a lizard, but instead of a tail, it had another another head and uh, it was pretty weird um, we keep walking and I'm sure everyone was miserable but I don't quite know eventually though I stopped being cold and I started being kind of warm sort of comfortable I kept walking my body hurt but I felt looser you know, and as, as I started to get warm, things were kind of okay. Uh, this is what happens 
when your body starts to shut down, it starts to try new things, you know? And um, I knew that whatever happened was going to be okay. I probably wasn't going to make it out of that valley, but that's fine. Because following us for a long time, there was a dog, a big black dog, this shape that was just right here. And if I were to just sit down, he would come and hang out with me and take care of me and it'd be okay. But if I were to sit down, I would never get up. And I must have said this out loud because that's when the kids I was with was like, hey, if it's not okay. So we stopped. And we had been taught first aid and they pretty much figured out I had hypothermia. And everyone kind of knows how to treat hypothermia. What you do is you strip the person down, you strip yourself down, and you guys cuddle. (laughs) And the body warmth will slowly warm up the blood and everybody will be okay, if not a little embarrassed. (laughs) This group of Mormon teenagers I was with Build a fire. (laughs) The jock was on the wrestling team. The stoners didn't care about anything. The pretty girl had probably spooned with the boy before, but we all sat around this fire alone and miserable with our teenage problems as I started to die. And I knew I was dying. And I thought it was weird that I didn't care about dying a virgin or how disappointed my family would be or flunking out of school, which is a weird thing to think about. I just was tired and I was okay. Then our teachers pulled up and they had a big pot of stew and they fed it to us and it was really delicious except for at that point they should have just put sand in me because my body didn't want anything and I went into spasms and vomiting and they threw me in the back of that truck and they drove what I thought was the 20 minutes to my house but was the two and a half hours and they brought me to my mother and said here he is take care of him he had a bad day and she looked at me and she's like take him to the hospital We go in the emergency room and I walk in and they take my temperature and I was too cold. They didn't even know how I was walking because my organs had started to shut down. I thought I was in there for 45 minutes. I was in the hospital in that ER for um, eight hours as they filled me full of fluid, a heating blanket, I remember my uh, father and church officials coming in and praying over me. I also remember Brigham Young and Abraham Lincoln being there. (laughs) And I thought it was really nice that they showed up. (laughs) And it was very interesting that Abraham Lincoln was a secret Mormon. What I remember is um, they had this nurse, this beautiful nurse, this, the most beautiful woman in the world, hold my hand. I'm sorry. Um, 
just talk to me. Just try to find out who I am. Keep me awake. Because if I go to sleep, I'm done. I'm just not waking up. And uh, she was really kind. And she apologized about how uncomfortable the catheter was. And I was really embarrassed because that's not how you want your penis touched for the first time. <laughs> uh, the time. You know? Later on, my mother referred to her as the hardworking, diligent, homely woman. Um, but in my mind, she's still the most beautiful woman. Uh, and you know, it's great. I'm glad that such a gorgeous person touched my penis for the first time. Um, I survived. Uh, it sucked. Uh, my body, every muscle in my body had spasmed and uh, there was lactic acid buildup and it was a rough couple days. And I remember the first ham sandwich I ever had was the, it was a shitty gas station ham sandwich and it was the best ham sandwich I've ever had because I didn't vomit it up. I also remember answering the door because I was home and there were three cheerleaders and they brought me balloons and a sign that said get better soon and they gave me the balloons and the sign and one of them said this beautiful girl who I had had a crush on like all high school she goes I'm glad you didn't die that's the only thing she ever said to me ever <laughs> And then they went away. I um, got a pass in the class because uh, I survived. Uh, the next year, I found a loophole and got an adult diploma. Um, eventually, I got the hell out of Utah. And there is no way I can die a virgin now. Uh, 